Player King, Episode 3. Be patient, for the world is broad and wide. Tom begins teaching high school after graduation, performing in political and experimental theater to protest the Vietnam War and the foundation of the Hollywood theater ensemble that launched many artists' careers. I got my degree, uh, got a bachelor, bachelor's degree, uh, and uh, <laughs> first person to graduate. Uh, my parents didn't end up getting to see me graduate. Uh, the party afterwards was held at a park that I had to get a bus ride to. But <clears throat> I just want to, I took a directing class in my undergraduate. And it was, it, it was one of those another aha moments where everything I had learned up to that point in my life, everything from math through science through everything could focus on what was happening on, and I could put it together on stage and tell a story. And directors got to do that because there was, because there was so many different stories coming from so many different directions. Well, did you feel like what your BA was like a BFA that we would offer now? Did you get a lot of practical experience with that BA? I did. And I didn't, I, I, there was one point at somebody had asked one of the professors, this was, I was a junior or senior, which, and I was also the first scholarship awardee at the, uh, at, at Long Beach state at mm -hmm. that time in theater. Um, asking the professor, uh, what's the purpose of our degree? And he said to make us educated audience. And that went over like a lead balloon <laughs> that went over like a lead balloon. And we were, we were, it was, during the sixties, it was protest time anyway. Mm -hmm. And that was, we were upset <clears throat> anyway. So I took this directing class and it was an aha moment. I went, aha, I can, everything I've ever learned, I can use as a director. Well, I still thought of myself as an actor, uh, got my teaching credential and my master's degree with a directing emphasis. And I directed O'Neill's The Great God Brown. Uh, which was poetic in its own way. And uh, I spent my whole thesis on O'Neill and, and his... So O'Neill was essential to me in my upper graduate, graduate level training. And I got a... And because I had no other options and I was driving a piece of junk as a car, I had to get a job. And I had to... You know, I had been working as the recreational specialist on weekends in theater for a uh, parks and recreation district. And they paid, Oh my God, $4 an hour. Now $4 an hour at a time where the minimum wage was a dollar 25, that was big bucks. And even though I was only doing it once a week, I was, I was getting a pretty good paycheck with that. And then during the summers, I got to be uh, a recreational leader and do uh, children's shows. I started directing children's shows at the Neff Barn Theater in La Mirada. And uh, again, uh, it was a converted barn that became a, a, had a stage and became a theater. I start, I got a high school job. I got, I got a job teaching. Now I think there's a really important element here that I've skipped over that is essential to me getting to Shakespeare, which is at the end of this protest era as an undergraduate, we're doing experimental theater. I'm not doing Shakespeare in college. Mm -hmm. I'm doing Megan Terry, Sam Shepard. Um, we're, we're doing 
things like America Hurrah and Viet Rock, mm -hmm. uh, protest work. And this was my contribution to the anti-war movement. And we did a show as I graduated from school and I was in grad school at the time. We did a show uh, in Hermosa Beach of Viet Rock that eventually went to the Edinburgh Festival. I didn't go because I couldn't afford to the go. Edinburgh French Festival. For yeah, the French Festival, which had, yeah. Yeah, which had gotten big. And they, they did take the show. I, <clears throat> I was the leading character in the play and they replaced me. Um, they ended up having to beg for food <laughs> because they got over there, but they, they weren't earning any money. They thought they were going to earn money and they didn't. And so it turned out to be a disaster. I ended up staying, finishing up my credential and I got a job up in the San Gabriel Valley teaching uh, high school. And again, there was no stage. So we, we created our own theater and I did that for three years. Now, the reason that's important is that I got to do whatever I wanted to do. And I created all the scenery. I did all the lighting. I did everything, right? Uh, and it became the foundation of mine being able to produce because I knew I, I had put into practice everything I had learned in that undergraduate degree. And fortunately, there were enough capable students who had enough electrical experience that hmm. they would go ahead and wire instruments. I mean, they're, they're wiring PARs you know, and we were creating our own lighting system because we weren't given, we were, the, the money we were given was not enough to be able to afford equipment and stuff. And it was a brand new, a brand new school. So I, I, uh, I started teaching high school and, uh, the first play I directed was the bad seed. It's like around 1970, 71 was my first year teaching. Yeah. And I got a salary, I, and the salary I got was around $8,000 a year. That was big money. Uh, I was able to buy a car, you know, finance it through the teaching credit union mm -hmm. um, I, and, and get an apartment. And I was doing experimental theater in Los Angeles. And somebody that I met in school, a guy named Sal Romeo, who had transferred over from El Camino College, became uh, my friend at the time and we were doing shows together and we were doing this experimental stuff and Sal put together this theater group and we did Viet Rock uh, on the Hermosa, right at the Hermosa Beach Pier. I think that building is still there and I think there's still a theater there, but it was on the second floor. I remember seeing it and we were going out doing, because I was the sergeant and there were Marines and we were in Vietnam part of our rehearsal was doing military marching on the pier. We got pulled over by the cops once and asked what we were doing, thinking we were a protest group. Oh no, mm -hmm. man, we're just doing a play. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody had long, long hair. hair. And beads. Yeah, yeah, of course. And except me, I had short hair because I was the, I was the drill instructor. But what that did was it gave me a, uh, a that theater then became not about entertainment, Theater became the ability to be able to teach, enlighten, hold the mirror up to nature of the society we lived in. And it became my protest against the war specifically. And the kind of theater that I was doing in those last years was very experimental and very 
avant-garde. I mean, we all got naked in, mm-hmm. in Viet Rock, for example. So it was, you know, big deal. It was a big deal. Protesting against everything, basically. And uh, so you had one foot, theater had given you one foot in the practical world where you were teaching, paying rent, paying for your car, but also one foot in the social political world that was so fertile at the time. And Sal became the artistic director of this, but the country was changing. It was now the early 70s. Mm-hmm. Nixon was the president. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a high draft number, so I wasn't drafted, although I did go in for my pre induction physical. But I was able to teach. And so I was teaching high school. I was doing uh, doing shows. And um, going into Los Angeles to do what I thought was real theater, really important theater. The, but political, the, the political theater? The political theater. Yeah. So it was very experimental, very political, very socially conscious. Was there a lot of that at the time? Well, there was. There were... There were uh, uh, there was a handful of really exceptional companies in Los Angeles. Um, the company theater, which was in Beverly Hills was one and, um, uh, Ron Saucy and the Odyssey theater was another and the, and Ron Saucy still, 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 there, yeah. still doing it. Um, and we were the Burbage theater ensemble. And, uh, you know, I, I did a show on Hollywood Boulevard, uh, by one, it was written by an assistant DA. It was called Circus of the Left Hand. And I've told this story in some of my classes. But <clears throat> this is when you're really paying your dues. I'm on Hollywood Boulevard. I'm in LA. I'm on stage. And uh, one night, there are two people in the audience. Now, this is about a 49-seat house. It was the old Odyssey Theater on Hollywood Boulevard. And it was one of those nights where we were doing four or five shows, five, five or six shows a week. Uh, I was driving, I was teaching and then driving into LA. And then whoever was handling the house or the box office at the front had walked away to get a cigarette or something. And a drunk walked in off of Hollywood Boulevard. And in the middle of this emotional, you know, draining play, yells out at the top of his lung, give those kids a hand. You know, and we were shocked. One, that nobody was monitoring the front of the house. And two, there were only two people in the audience. So we, uh, the cast got together afterwards and basically said, if there are not, there were six people in the cast. If there are not six people in the audience, we're not going on. (laughs) That was our our, uh, protest against management. (laughs) Well... Well, yeah. Because of that, after that show, the theater kind of dissipated. That theater group dissipated. Mm -hmm. I'm teaching three years up in uh, San Dimas. And to be clear, you're not getting paid any money, of course. You're donating all your time. Oh, donating all my time. Are you paying dues? Uh, No. Okay. No, we weren't paying dues, but I was on the board of directors. So I I started to understand a little bit about the nonprofit, Mm -hmm. how nonprofits were established, because I had to sign my name to that. Uh, and read the documents and all of that stuff. And, you know, we became, we became, uh, a nonprofit corporation so we could get donations, uh, and grants. Sal kept that kind of going. I basically said, I can't afford to keep driving back and forth. You, You know, I was, and then I got accepted as an actor into South coast rep. This is 1972. 
I was part of the acting company and they, they were doing, uh, Pavlo Hummel and there was a sergeant in that. And I thought I was perfect for it. And they cast me in a smaller role. And again, I'm driving from Costa Mesa now mm-hmm. to San Dimas and a triangle to Los Angeles. I was driving 150 miles some days mm-hmm. just to get to, to, to do these things. And, and I was teaching a, a, a workshop with Sal in Los Angeles. Acting workshop? Yeah. Now, South Coast, of course, goes on to become an important regional theater and win right. a Tony. Um, it, was it doing mostly, mostly political work at this time? It was doing a mix of things. Okay. I mean, Mother uh, Mother Earth by Ron Thronson, mm-hmm. who we know, was one of the things that saved them uh, Were financially. Were they Not at that time, okay. no. So they no, weren't professional it, yet. Well, they had people they were paying. Mm-hmm. I wasn't one of them yet. I was part of the company. Mm-hmm. But they had an agreement with equity where they could bring in a couple of equity players. The union, actors equity, yeah. yeah. So they were, there was a negotiation, all of, you know. So there were some people who were getting paid. I wasn't one of them at the time. But and they then, were closer to a professional theater than anything yeah, oh, yeah. that you'd Yeah, and they were so getting far. major reviews from the Los yeah. Angeles Times, you know. They were a sweetheart of the Los Angeles Times as it became out. The Times supported them tremendously. So all of that's happening. I mean, theater's happening all the time. And I'm teaching high school. Well, I dropped out. Uh, It it was a sense of ego and the person that I was dating dumped me. She was actually, we were actually married at the time and came in with one of the founding members of the company and his little boy. And it just, I just, it just ripped me apart. And I said, I can't, I can't stay here. Now, I don't know why, because I, I was never, I never got close to David or Martin, who were the founders of the South Coast after that. But they, they really treated me not very well after that. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure what they thought it was. I'm not sure what they heard. And this gets on to when I start the gym. But so I left in 72, I'd, I'd done one show at South Coast. That was my, you know, I'd done these shows up in LA. I also did a show at the Laguna Playhouse called The Royal Hunt of the Sun, mm-hmm. which was a big deal. And that, mm-hmm. was an, that was another thing done by my mentor in college. Well, everything kind of dissipates because I then get into teaching, really teaching. And when you're a drama teacher, you don't have time for anything else because that's all you're doing. Is you're doing you're directing sh- plays at night. You're doing shows all the time. With yeah. the, well, after school. Yeah. And then the shows are going on in the evening. Yeah. And so um, that marriage had fallen apart. I left South Coast Repertory. The thing in LA was dissipating. The audience was going away from political theater. They were mm-hmm. bored. Disco was coming in. Mm-hmm. I end up down in Newport Beach. I transferred because they had an auditorium with real theater instruments in it, even though it was a WPA project and there was a lot of arcing backstage <laughs> as, as we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, arcing the electricity coming uh, from the light board. Right. Coming from yeah. the light board. Which it's not supposed to do. And I, I threw my entire life into those two years in the high school. And out of that came Kelly McGillis, who was in Top Gun. Who was a high school student of yours. Who was a high school student of mine. Lauren Mitchell, 
who became a big Broadway actress and producer. Um, Original cast of Sunday in the Park with, no. No. Of uh, Into the Woods. Into the Woods, yeah. Yeah, she was in the original Broadway cast of Into the Woods. So here I'm going from basically a group of middle-class blue-collar kids up in San Dimas to upper-class wealthy people in Newport Beach. And I thought I was going to live on a boat in Newport Beach. Well, they were all graduating and leaving. And I had created an ensemble uh, and we were doing really well. I took them, I took them to London. My first trip to London, walked into Trinity Theater, not no, to Trinity, the church where Shakespeare was buried, walked in in a fog one day. There was nobody at the gate. I just walked in and it was like a mystical experience. Now, you'll note that I did no Shakespeare in college, mm -hmm. except I did a cutting again of Macbeth where I was, I, I had a mononucleosis and I could barely get through it. That was my, that was my Shakespeare. And I was a dresser for Falstaff in the Merry Wives of Windsor backstage. Did you direct any Shakespeare when you were teaching high school? No, I was going to direct Midsummer Night's Dream and, and then everybody was leaving and the person I was dating, Lindsay, came in one day with this backstage article saying there was a playhouse that needed a theater company. Where? In Pennsylvania. Honesdale? Honesdale, Pennsylvania. So I'd taken my high school kids to London, got on a plane, and flew from London to, to Maine, to Bangor, Maine. I got a, a plane to fly to Bangor, Maine. They, meanwhile, they went back home. I flew to Bangor, Maine, to New York, and took puddle jumpers to Scranton, Pennsylvania, rented a car, drove up Highway 6, and it was, it had, it was Easter time. This is around Easter time, and it was snowing. It had snowed, and so there was actually snow on the ground. This is like 74? This is 73? 75. Five. Five. 75. And I walked in. He was impressed. The guy that I talked to was impressed that I had flown from London <laughs> and that I had a company that we were calling the Hollywood Theater Ensemble. Had you a company yet? Well, I had talked to Sal. There were a couple of people, Lindsay, myself. Um, I, I, we may have talked to Larry Culp at that point. We could get actors. That mm -hmm. wasn't the problem. That wasn't what I didn't think was the problem. And so we got the gig, we got the theater and I sent back these photos. I had a Polaroid camera and I, I brought back some clippings of the place and I said, it's pretty rough, but there's a golf course and there's a resort and do you want to do summer stock? And they all went, yeah. So we went, so I went from doing this heavy political theater mm -hmm. into doing the Fantastics and Guys and Dolls mm -hmm. and musical theater. And go, because that's where the audience was. Mm -hmm. People weren't going to see the political theater anymore. So. So you booked the gig. So I booked the gig. I get back and we start holding auditions in LA at the, at the, I think it was. Yeah. Well, we're holding auditions in LA. I think it, it was at one of the places where everybody auditioned. It was a corner building. Uh, by the freeway. Oh, I can't remember. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, we hired a company 
and uh, uh, we were going to pay them. I borrowed $5,000 from my mom and she didn't have a lot of money. I borrowed $5,000 from the, from an assistant DA who had, who was leaving the district attorney's office and going into travel bookings. That's how I got to London. He loaned me $5,000. I took out the money I had earned from saving for retirement from the teacher's uh, retirement, and that was $5,000. So I had $15,000 in cash. So let me tell you what it looked like from the other side. Okay. Because I, my friend Melinda, who had been cast in your company, um, one of the male members had dropped out and they were auditioning for a male member and I happened to be male. So I auditioned, um, was told there would be $50 a week and room and board, um, and that we'd be taking a bus to Pennsylvania and we would be living on the property and we'd do about six shows a summer and we would rehearse during the day and perform at night. And, and I was right out of college, um, and had just moved down to Los Angeles and thought, Oh my God. Okay. So I did an audition and I get in and I, I thought I was in heaven. I thought, okay, here we go. It's starting professional world. And you two, you and Sal looked like these old people. <laughs> I mean, you were in your late twenties. I was, I was like, yeah, I was what? 23. And, um, I said, Oh my God, they're grown ups. It's professional theater. Um, and so we were getting ready to take the bus to Pennsylvania. And <laughs> well, okay. So we'll talk more about Sal, but Sal was, Sal, Sal was, we, well, first we, between he and I, how are we going to get everybody back there? Well, Lindsay went out by herself to set everything up. She was going to be the manager mm -hmm. and she went out to set everything up. Uh, she went out in advance, a couple of months in advance and was living on the property and I said, Sal, how are we going to get these people back there? And he said, he looked up this ad, I don't know, in whatever he saw. And it was probably, it was probably easy reader, you know, publication. Throw, throw there were, publication. There, yeah, there were yeah. a lot of those. And we went to this, looked like a legitimate place, but there up on the wall was two Polaroids of a guy in a bus with, <laughs> with uh, a, a hippie bus basically with, couches and cots and they would go straight back to Pennsylvania in four days. And we, we were going to pay this guy. I, I forgot what the deal was, but I remember writing out a check for $88, which I think was 10% of the fee. It was going to cost us about a thousand dollars, $88. And so, um, Sal drove back. I think I'm, I don't remember. And I was, I had to finish, I had to finish my, as much of my school as I could. And then I took my sick leave with a substitute to finish. And I left teaching high school. And I remember flying to Pennsylvania in tears because I didn't know how we were going to survive. <laughs> yeah, you were tap dancing as hard as you could just to pull it all together pull the whole thing together and yeah to us you looked like pros yeah well i was in my brother's house and we were smoking a little cannabis Something. sativa 
And I got a call from Larry Culp. One of the actors. One of the actors. And Larry was upset. He said, there's no bus. <laughs> and there's a bunch of actors waiting basically on Hollywood and Vine or wherever you're, yeah. Fountain. Yeah, Fountain and waiting, Vine. Waiting for a bus to take you to Pennsylvania. Some had just graduated from high school, so their parents were there. Yes. And so uh, I was immediately sobered up. And Larry took charge and said, I want a credit card so I can book these people flights the next day to Pennsylvania. And that's what happened. And I gave him my credit card. Larry booked the flights. I came later, uh, a week or uh, several days later, or we maybe may have been even a week later. And I remember I landed in Philadelphia. Uh, we, we basically used Newark after that but i landed in philadelphia uh crying figuring out i'd left my job i i was going to end up a destitute in a gutter <laughs> uh with nothing because i didn't know how i was i was frightened to death now i before we get into the summer stock years or as we're getting into the summer stock years i just like to say that this was my graduate school. This I did four summers uh, uh, with the Hollywood Theater Ensemble, playing all kinds of leads, um, participating sometimes in directing, staging, uh, but part after part after part, six six shows in every summer, and working with people who a huge majority of them ended up going into the professional business. You've already talked about Lauren. Mark Rucker went in to become a very well-known director. Frank Kosick ended up a professional actor and, and was in the closing production of Chorus Line when it closed on Broadway. I mean, so many of us, it was our training and it was our training in the trenches. It remains one of the finest um, times of my life. I look back on it so fondly. And, and the beginning kind of of everything for me. So this thing you were tap dancing like crazy to put together and feeling like you were going to be a failure ends up being a breeding ground for for those for many 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 people that are going into the business and um certainly taught us a lot about professionalism and creating professionalism out of people who weren't particularly professional. Uh what was that experience like producing that first year? And you were also directing and you were also acting. So, I mean, as I look back on it, we must, how we. So <laughs> there's, there's, this is where I learn how to produce. I mean, this is where we borrow money from the bank, where we, uh, we, you know, publicity dealing with the newspapers in the area not knowing anything about Pennsylvania or the area or that area of Scranton. Um, we thought we were in a resort, but we were really on the edge of a resort. So the people who were going up to the Poconos for honeymoons and things like that were about 25 miles away from us. Your target audience. Yeah. Yeah. And so they had to find us. Yeah. And that was, so we did everything we could. We did tabletop things. We did, we did all kinds of things to go out. And and the one thing we started to discover in the first year by accident were the Jewish day camps. Mm -hmm. And one of them paid well and brought in, and we did matinees for them uh, during the daytime uh, to fill. And they would bring in busloads of kids. 
so those things became the beginning of what was going to be my career as an act as a producing director in equity theater yeah um i want to briefly talk about how our first experience together yeah as performers because we it was it, our first production it was a fantastic uh uh tom was henry the old actor and i was mortimer his somewhat energetic sidekick and we had to lay in a prop box together for about 45 minutes till we got to the part of the show where these two characters come out of the prop box and because there was no trap on stage right right so we <laughs> here i am with with you who i didn't know you and i and i thought you were the boss you were the boss um little knowing that i would have an almost 50 year career working with you born out of that prop box but i've always thought that that i love the metaphor of that that you and i started working together in a prop box and um laying there for 45 minutes listening to the show start uh it was a lovely beginning for almost 50 years of working together Player King is produced by Roland By. Sound design, editing, and engineering by William Georges. Directed, curated, and narrated by Elisa Braddock. The music was originally created for productions at Shakespeare Orange County. Thanks from Tom during the Hollywood Theater Ensemble years, Sal Romeo, Lindsay Gambini, Michael Nearing, Larry Culp, Lauren Mitchell, Evelyn Braddock, and Barry Tobias. Mm-hmm.